and welcome to On Common Ground with Dusty Keen. I am Dusty Keen, and today I'm extremely excited to see a very good friend of mine, and old budge, uh, Josh King, the Kang. Josh King kicked off his solo career uh, with 2018 uh, Into the Blue. Uh, but the North Carolina-based songwriter is no newcomer, and that's for sure. Years before packing uh, into the um, packing into the blue with songs that mix breezy backwoods bounce of Americana with the humble hooks of guitar pop. He cut his teeth as the leader of House of Fools and any rock outfit uh, signed to Drive Through Records label. Um, the Six Beats band spent years on the road touring with acts like Jimmy Eat World and Steel Train along the way. Uh, nearly a decade after releasing House of Fools' final album, King returns with The Shed, a solo record that was tracked in isolation, yet is still brimmed with the collaboration and community that once filled his earliest music-making careers. You know, you have I, I got to just say a few things. Um as far as when I first met Josh and your career goes way, way beyond that. Um, let me just, first of all, welcome Josh King. How hey. you doing, baby? It's so it's good, good to see you, man. It's, it's, it's good been, to see you too, man. It's, it's been good way- to talk to you. I've, I see you all the time because I watch you on Facebook because I have nothing else to do. It's been way too long for us, man. I feel like we need a uh, dinner and a date and, uh, you know, yeah. walk in the park and stuff just to catch up. But uh, sure. I, I missed you, man. I really have. And um, I'm excited to talk about this new album that you've, you've done, The Shed. But before that, I want to talk yeah. a little bit about, like, how I met you. Um, you know, on the show, we interview people who are thought leaders and thought provokers, people who are, like, uh, you know, heads of their 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 sort of either they're they're living their dream or they're the the they're innovators in their own space and you certainly are that as a musician i remember the first time that i saw you play was at green street and i saw house of fools and i had heard all this hype around this band and uh so sort of skeptical when i saw it right but then the people packed in and i saw the show and i thought my god man this has got to be the best up-and-coming original rock band in the country hands down because this thing wasn't just you know incredibly great music and everyone was so tight and you had this like three car assault and the harmonies were amazing but this was a show like it, it people knew how to interact with you on stage how to interact with the band on stage and you could tell that hundreds of people in the crowd had had not only knew every word uh to every song but knew when to clap and when to do these these things that happened in the show and i was just like wow this is fucking awesome um and that was my first introduction to you and it took me a while to to finally like get to you and, and get to know you and then you know the first night that we actually met we had a, a hell of a time and uh i'm definitely going to tell that story about your your bar crawl and the first time i saw that but um you've had a career that has spanned a really long time and you've been a musician for a really long time and a good one i mean you were uh the the band before the 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 thing that you did before House of Fools, or the necessary, right? The necessary, yeah. Yeah, that was like, um, I, man, I listened to that the other day, and man, that yeah. was really, really great stuff, Thank man. Thank you. Yeah, you, you were kind of being groomed to be a star back then. It seemed like you had everything that you're supposed to have, uh, as well as being a, an incredible musician. And you were young, man. I mean, you weren't even 21 then, were you? I mean, fresh, fresh 21, I think. You were fresh, um, man. Yeah. Young one. Um, and so you're, unless we were just drinking illegally, (laughs) (laughs) could have been right. I mean, um, so, you know, I'd like to talk to you about sort of how you, when you first knew that music was your passion, how you got into it and sort of what led you into, uh, 
being as polished as you were, even at the point of the necessary and kind of like, you know, go from there. Okay. Um, well, you know, I don't, it's kind of tough. I, I think music really started for me when I decided that I wanted to play music. I've always I started playing piano when I was in fourth grade. Um, it's always been in my family and all that stuff. But I think when I decided I wanted to be a musician was probably through skateboarding. Um, we we're listening to a lot of, you know, punk rock and stuff like that. And I think Joel got a guitar and I got a bass because he already had a guitar. You know, we can't, we have, if we're going to start a band, somebody has to play the bass, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it kind of started off as just like a thing we'd sit in our rooms and, and do. And then it's, you know, we played a, we played a couple of shows and then I think it just kept happening. It's, it's one of those things that's, it's, I've never really thought much about, but the drive and the, uh, the want to continue to do it just keeps happening. You know, yeah. it's not like, it's just like, a, well, I guess I'll do this now, you know, or I guess I'll go talk to Dusty on this podcast now about my music. I, you know, it's like, it's, it's things that in, instead of saying, no, I just, I just go with it. And here I am, you know, and it's kind of, it's been like that through the, through everything with different bands. That's how the necessary turned into house fools. And before that is the, I think end of the affair turned into the necessary and just kept going. And so the first band that you ever had, what was the name of that? We were called the radio years, the radio eaters. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, and so you and Joel kind of started this together, started playing mm -hmm. together as your first man, because Joel was, you know, God, man, he's so talented and so unsung, I think, in a lot of ways uh, in comparison to his talent. But mm -hmm. uh, you can tell when you guys play together just how tight you are. And, and you can't get that way unless you've spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours together playing music. Yeah. Um, and he's also uh, a part and, and plays on The Shed as well. Yeah. Um, so that band, the, the first one, turns into The Necessary. Is that right? No, it was The Radio Year's End of the Affair, which okay. is an excellent name. Um, the Necessary, then House of Fools. House of Fools. Um, what, like, so House of Fools gets signed. Um, to, what was that like? Um... I don't remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys were young, you know? Yeah. We, you know, we're, we're actually recording with Jamie King in the necessary. And at the time I, I picked up an acoustic guitar before in the necessary, I mainly wrote songs and then David, Todd and Joel and Jeff would all turn them into songs you know i'd write i barely played an instrument and I, I was a singer i didn't play in the band i played keys every once in a while but then i picked up an acoustic and started writing these kind of oh, i got the last dj by tom petty and wanted to write those kind of songs and uh, on my way by ben queller was one that i was like i don't want to write this kind of song you know and so i started doing that a whole lot and the keyboard player from end of the fair was Matt Bowers. And he, I found out he had this new thing called pro tools. And uh, so I ended up going over to his house and, you know, basically what we do is just record. I'd have a kind of a song 
and then we record it and turn it and finish it, you know, and get stoned and ride around in his Buick and listen to him. And that's all we wanted from it. That was seriously, literally, that was it. It was like, we got to finish this song in one day, got to get all the parts down so we can go get stoned and smoke cigarettes in this, in his big ass Buick driving around his parents' neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and feel well, accomplished, man. He did. Something. Yeah. And I mean, that's all, that's at the time. That's all, you know, that's all we cared about. But, um, <clears throat> I was recording a, an album for the necessary with those guys at Jamie King's place. And I got a call from Richard Rains from drive through and it was out of the blue. I had no idea. I was walking down the street, you know, like on the phone with him going, what in the world's happening? But apparently one of our good buddies, Brandon Pegram, sent him a AOL message or something like that with our, a couple of our songs that we recorded. And he said, he wanted to fly me out to California and do a deal. Wow. Wow. It was just like that. So, I, you know, I jumped in by myself, jumped in the plane by myself, flew there, and then I, then I really don't know what happened after that. And then it was just a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're opening up for Jimmy World. Uh, you know, you're opening up for at the time, just like people who were filling, you know, massive crowds and, you know, were getting incredible radio play. And, um, you know, and there you were. Did you, you what were some of the, 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 the better memories that you had from that experience because a lot of bands, you know, that form and that, that work really hard. They never get that. Yeah. Um, And they, they've, they they still would love that. Um, And you lived that really early in your career. What are some things you take away from that? And what's some things that like you look back on and and remember as just like really great memories from that time? You know, I think the best, the best musical experiences came later on because we were good <laughs> yeah. when we first started we weren't that great you know we we put me and matt put these songs together and then we put together a band and bought a van bought a trailer with all the money that we got and try to record an album with a famous producer and like we didn't even have time to figure each other out we didn't you know none of that none of that i mean we we knew each other but figure each other out musically Right. Um, so I think I think the best like musical experiences happen like shows and stuff like that happen. I mean, later later on in the, in our career as House of Fools, um, you know, I think driving around in that van, I'll never forget that. I mean, you do you do more of that than anything. Uh, you get to know some of your who you think are your best bud. You become brothers with them, right. and you show up at a show, you play, that's, that's just a very small part of it, you know, especially back, especially back then when you're playing in front of two people, the, well, the right. sometimes, the, right. And then the, sometimes. the bartender and the door guy and they're sitting there <laughs> looking at their watches going. <laughs> oh man. You know, when I saw, you know, definitely in the height of house of fools, I, there, there wasn't a tighter band I've seen. I mean, man, you guys must have worked your ass off to be that tight i mean we played a lot we played a lot and we got to the point where you know what we what you can't do these days is 
we got together every single day and we played through those songs and we played nonstop, especially when we were at home and we had downtime. I, I was writing constantly. I would always have a new song. And uh, <clears throat> then we all, then for about five years, we toured for close to 10 months out of the year. Wow. And that was playing a show every single night. Yeah. Playing those songs, trying to come up with different arrangements and stuff while we're out. Um, so yeah, we got tight. We got tight. We got really good. Yeah. And you know, being out there and doing it, mm -hmm. I talk a lot about that on the show. You know, you have to just do it at that point. You're in it, you're doing it. You really don't have that much of a choice that sort of made you into the musician that you are today. I guess in a lot of ways, when you play that many shows um, where you, you, you have to, you know, you're like, you're booked, you're playing, uh, you're yep. You're doing it. Uh, it just kind of makes you um, and, and at least a big part of who you are as a musician. Now, um, looking back to you, do you have fond memories of those days, man? Was that a, was that a, all in all? Do you feel like it was a good experience for you? Oh, it was the best time of my life. You know, I mean, the best time of my uh, younger adult life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'll never forget it, and wouldn't take it back for anything. For sure. Well, you know, you came back here and uh, and the, the record deal thing, I guess, goes away, right? And um, and but yet you have this band that's incredibly popular, and you kind of built up, I guess, from a place called Aces Basement, yeah. which uh, was a place that Joe Ferguson had, and that was sort of like your home base where mm -hmm. you guys were. Uh, you know, you're playing there. You were you're, you had a place where you could practice and a place you could play and a place that you could just fill to the brim with people anytime you did a show, and then that's built out to bigger and bigger crowds. I mean, I remember, gosh, the, the night you played Green Street, I saw you. There had to be at least five or six hundred people in that crowd. It was packed. I mean, it was mm -hmm. wall to wall, and um you know, from that point, uh, you know, you kind of changed directions. Um, and I don't know if we've ever really talked about why that was or what happened, if it was just something creatively that you decided to do or because uh, another band kind of came spun out of that, which a lot of people, including myself, this is remarkably good. I mean, damn, that, you know, Rosalind was, wow, a different direction entirely, kind of genre wise, but unbelievably great and that sort of happened from uh <laughs> from uh from the house of fools you know into rosalind uh which was which was just amazing and i, right. I know that there's still like um <laughs> there's uh there's actually some some uh songs that are laid down that were never released from rosalind um yeah we have we actually have a ton of songs oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> one second <laughs> and you're also a really good bartender um, so I'm going to tell the story when the first night we met and hung out Josh goes I'm going to do a bar crawl and I thought you know that means typically you know what anyone else would think that we're going to go hop rounds and bars but no we're in, in walkers and Buddy Bell was bartending and when he hears you're going to do a bar crawl, he automatically knows 
what you're going to do, right? Right. I have no idea. So he starts laying out these shots of Jameson, like every five feet down the bar, right? And there's like eight shots of Jameson on the bar. And Josh hops up on the bar and starts crawling, right? And he's knocking people's beer out of the way. He'll drink somebody's. He doesn't give a shit. He's taking this shot of Jameson. He keeps crawling, right? And so while this is happening, all this energy has been built up at the bar. People are like, yes, do it, do it. And he's going all the way to the end. And this dude, I swear, man, in, in less than a minute, does like eight shots of Jameson. And then he stands up at the bar and does this like Jesus, turns around, does this like Jesus stance, right? And you just fell backwards, not knowing anyone was going to catch, didn't really care. He just said, boom. And fortunately, you know, there were people right there to get you. <laughs> he sits you down and you look at me, you go, Buzz, I think I'm a blackout. <laughs> and I was like, I fucking love this guy, dude. That's the bar crawl, huh? <laughs> that was the bar crawl, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we had to leave directly after that. <laughs> well, we, I think we ended up back uh, at at, uh, at at my place, and um, I was having some sort of political discussion or something. And Josh was real tired of it, so that's the night I got to know what a wombat was, right? So <laughs> the, the wombat, and you talking about a change of direction because people can kind of get heated in political discussions. Well, Josh came in uh, and is is not having this, so he runs in. You know, me and this other person are talking. Have this he runs in. He had stripped down buck naked and just does this dance where his dick slapping up against his belly. And, shit. and he's like, whoa, wombat, and then runs out of the room. And that ended that discussion right then and there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished, man. Going um, back to having fun. Yes. Yeah. So I see that, uh, you know, all these days you've learned to be uh, quite a, a bartender, as I just saw there when you're mixing up a bunch of shit I would never mix up together. Oh, I'm, just, I'm classy, man. It's a martini. Yeah, I got that. Oh, see. <laughs> right. Right. You have uh, you've gotten a little more distinguished these days. That's and, right. In releasing your solo albums and stuff, becoming a father, getting married. Uh, you've had a lot of changes in the past, you know, five years. And um and particularly in the past two. Um, yeah. And so that sort of, I guess, affected your music a lot because of, you know, what you're going through in life and the changes that have happened. Um, yeah. What sort of, how, how do you see, how would you describe the, I guess in the, in the different genres of music that you make, you know, from kind of uh, emo pop to rock and roll to yeah. Rosalind, which was, you know, sort of, I mean, it wasn't, it was more Americana, uh, but with a kick-ass band with it. Um, and then into, you know, what was in the blue, which was a solo album, uh, mm -hmm. which was really different. And then, and then now the shed, which is very different from that. Um, what sort of, you know, mindset are you in now um, with your, your, the genre of music that you like when these things happen, are you listening to different music that inspires you that kind of moves you into a different genre or is it yeah. just more about the way that you feel and what you're thinking at the time? I think it's more of a, yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know, but I think, I think what has always been consistent is the, is the songwriting, you know, and, and, and that's the words, the melody, can be based off the way I feel at the time, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know. Um, as far as the way the music, the uh, the whole composition, the uh, production, and everything goes, I don't really know. You know, I do. I listen to everything. I don't. I don't, I don't ever listen to one kind of music all day. I I, I listen to everything. I really do. And. Um, 
I think a lot of it has to do with the people I'm playing with, you know. Um, like this, I'm, right now I'm recording some more stuff. I'm recording my OB, the third album. And I really want to bring back a lot of those, that older feeling, like we were talking about earlier. Now the yeah. more, the more uh, pop punk, the emo rock stuff. Well, you're um, so good at all of it. I mean, you've got yeah. such a versatility to you as an artist. Yeah. Uh, and you've proven that in the albums that you've released. You know? The good um, thing about being a, the thing about being a, uh, an artist that it, it, there's not much expected from me is I can do whatever the fuck I want. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I was like, so I mean, my favorite thing, like I said, you know, I, it, it's not like a, oh, I got to do this. I got to go finish this song. I got to go write this right now because it has to be done, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's never like that. It's more of a, oh, man, I really want to go finish this right now or I really want to do this right now so I can do this, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know. I, don't, I, think, I, I think the best way to explain my songwriting and the way they turn out is kind of like me. I'm kind of oblivious of it. It's just kind of tr trying to just get it done and enjoy enjoy it while I do it. You, um, um, knowing you, you seem to be someone that, I mean, you're one of the, the, the coolest, kindest people I, I know. And you've got such a positive attitude and a positive spin. I mean, in so many different conversations that we've had or so many different things that I've talked to you about in my life or whatever, you just have a great, great attitude about it. And you you seem to live a principle that um, I'm writing about now and I'm talking a lot about now. And that is um, from like your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create this frequency, which creates your life, right? And so you, you seem to always be in a really good space with your thoughts and what you're thinking about. And it seems like some of that leads to how you feel and that leads to the music that comes out of you. Um, yeah. How do you think that's changed or magnified or not uh, with having your first child and, and being a dad? Because you, uh, in a lot of ways, um, get to stay, you're, you're with your daughter, Lydia, a lot. Like, so you, you know, you're kind of the dad that, uh, that, you know, so many hours a day, so many days a week gets to have that experience of just one-on-one um, which is cool. And I know definitely changed things before. I mean, uh, looking back before Lydia, what, what your choices would have been, um, you know, how you would have spent the day versus, you know, now when you, <laughs> you wake up at 7 a.m. and she's rocking the, the, the thriller and the, the, the other thing that makes music is just, you know, plowed it all together. And <laughs> some of your Facebook posts with that really show a glimpse into, uh, uh, what well, could be for a lot of us fun to see that happen with you? Uh, how do you think that's changed, uh, and, and has that influenced your music? Uh, you know, I I feel like now when I sit down to write, it's a little more focused, because um, <clears throat> there's a certain time. It's after they after my family goes to sleep and during nap time. You know, that's when I that's that's when I write. That's what, uh, so I do a lot. I have a lot of voice recordings on my phone of running, getting Lydia to play with something so I can run in the back room and get the melody and guitar yeah. down real fast and then put it in my pockets and go out there before she freaks out on me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> then when I put her down for a nap, I go out and try to record it, try to record more ideas and 
that's how I've been. That's how I've been writing. That's how I've been doing it for the past year, two years. Yeah, well, I mean, this past year, of course, has rocked all of us. It rocked the music industry incredibly. Um, you know, with no shows and um, a, a lot. Yeah. But you also being in, in a lot of ways a stay-at-home dad and doing that exact thing, you know, turned out a, a, an entire album. So yeah. um, lyrically, yeah. you know, lyrically at first I was, especially when Lydia was laying there in her little ass uh, rocking thing where she couldn't even move. She was just like a little, it wasn't even a person yet. It was just like this thing that pissed and shit and cried <laughs> you know, and smiled a lot. Um, I wrote so many songs about, her to but to the point where i was like okay i gotta stop dude this is annoying like if i put it i put out an album like this people are gonna be like okay we get it you're a dad congratulations you did it you know so i kind of i kind of had to like take a step back and scrap scrap all that stuff (laughs) no one wants to to hear this shit (laughs) (laughs) oh man i I would love to but uh how did this happen where you you cleaned out a shed so walk me through this like how how this album went down okay um so i'm in i'm actually sitting in it now it was a it was a wood shop that the guy who lived here before I mean, he had this place, it was just plywood on the walls, hooks in it with his, I'm assuming his tools or bodies hanging from <laughs> the wall. And uh, I, we, when we moved in, we had so much stuff that we just didn't want to get rid of. We just packed it in. I'm telling you, this place was just packed to the ceiling with uh, crap that we didn't ever come in. I mean, there's it was just kind of scary in here, you know what I mean? Like spiders everywhere. And like, yeah, I had anyways, they, they all sat there for a year, and finally I was like, "This is stupid." You know, that could be a a room where I could actually get away and mainly have a man cave, doghouse, whatever it is. And uh, so I just decided to do it. I, I, I had a buddy help me. Just took down all the plywood and started from, you know. Dude, it's got like crown molding up, and it's like painted and shit. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a lot of people may or may not know this. You're a hell of a carpenter and do all kinds, like all kinds of shit. Like you know. Well, uh, I can't take all the credit. My buddy did a lot of it. So I, uh, but, you know, but that, anyways, that that was it. And we decided to, I decided to finish it up just in time for the pandemic to hit. Um, in February, I had it all finished, and I didn't have any equipment, and. Mark Cano, uh, we're driving back from Nashville and he was talking about this 24 track task cam. And it, I don't know if you know or not, but task cams have been around for oh yeah uh, some of the first radio, radio years songs were recorded on an eight track task cam, you know, and we put out little albums on that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, ah, that, that sounds kind of funny. And Mark was like, he was like the point of, he was like, the idea is so you don't have to get distracted by everything that's in the computer whenever you want to use a program or anything. You can come in here, you plug your shit into it, and put on your headphones, and you can track. Boom. You know, there's it turns on in two seconds. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I ordered one of those in February, at le- like late February. And I think our last, how I, how I, all, how I try to, uh, 
think of the time thing of it time wise is we played our last Thursday night at Joymongers March fifth. Yeah, because or that, something like that. March fourteenth, fifteenth, I think was when COVID officially hit and everything got shut down. And then it was a stay at home order yep. then, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah, so it was right before that I got all my stuff and um, you know, they told us to stay at home. <laughs> so I, I started up not, there's nothing else to it I mean I, I literally I probably would have built this place and I don't know what would have happened with it but I'm pretty like I, I said uh, recently it took a pandemic to get me to actually learn how to track my own songs and make my own recordings <laughs> because I've always had somebody to do it for me it's amazing like I've talked to a lot of people who are musicians and creatives that in this time had to reinvent themselves and do something out of it because there's no way you're not going to create no matter what the situation is. You know, when, you're, when you're a creative person, you're going to do that. And I think a lot of people have discovered a lot of things about themselves or pushed themselves to learn something new uh, in this time because they just were forced to, like they would have went nuts otherwise. Um, yeah. And, you know, you were talking about Marcano. Um, we actually had a movie show that I had with, with Mark here December 13th because, you know, again, the COVID. But uh, I remember the first show that you came and saw at uh, Common Grounds with Athene and played there. And you were like, man, I have always wanted to, uh, to see these guys. You were like a, a really big fan. And then all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't that much later where you guys were playing weekly gigs together. Um, yeah. What, what a cast that you had there at Joy Myers. You and Mark and Andy and, you know, you had Eddie Walker and, uh, you know, uh, Jordan, Jordan Powers and, you know, and Joel. I mean, wow, that is like a super team of musicians. And I know that you have to miss uh, getting to play with those guys every week. And then also, you know, you, you play together as well. Doing Yeah, uh, that's, a, you know, playing with the Fins is, is that's, that's my full-time job. Yeah. You know, the, so... That's what I'm saying. Like, I think if we had kept playing all the time and we stayed busy, I doubt I would be in here recording music. So I'm in, in a way I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have the time to do it, but also I miss playing with those guys big time. Yeah, for sure. Well, we know that that's, you know, according to the news now with vaccines coming or whatever, it's going to come back. Um, and then everything will hopefully return to normal in a matter of, you know, I don't know, three to six months everything will be back and you've been able to play with not only people like Mark, but um, like open up for some amazing musicians in your life. I know that you were heavily influenced by like Tom Petty and Leon Helms and uh, you've opened up for, for Leon Helms. Leon Russell. Yeah. Leon Russell. Leon Russell. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, and because of Joe Ferguson, you know, we had plenty of, we have, we opened up for Leon Russell four, four, four or five times. Wow. Um, yeah, which is insane. Yeah, the first, the first time was uh, he was, first time he played at Green Street. Joe called me up and was basically he was just like, "Yeah, Leon Russell's coming here. Can you put something together?" He didn't want it. Couldn't be a house, couldn't be a house full show at the time because we were drawing big time back then, right. and uh, that would just be awkward. We could have a bunch of rowdy drunk kids in there before old Leon rolls up on his rascal to play some piano, you know? Um, and then, so we put together, we went with, a with Josh Moore, Ryan Gustafson. Uh, I think Phil played drums. We put together a band. We put together a band and, uh, 
did some cover songs that we thought would be appropriate for that crowd instead of trying to, uh, you know, play original music, play our shit for that crowd. We, we wanted to, it was more of like a, a buffer, you know, if you, but you got for, for that many times. I mean, that's yeah. That but then after that, house of, then after that house of fools started opening up for them, we played up, we opened up for them at, uh, what's it called? The hat factory in Richmond. Yeah, and yeah. that was, I mean, the Millennium, the Millennium Center in Winston. So, and you know, your music has, has influenced people to an incredible amount. I mean, House of Fools, you've got people with your lyrics and things tattooed on them. Um, you know, and and yeah. you know, some people would say, "Remember the time Tom Petty played your songs." At the amphitheater, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you remember telling me that story uh, yeah. about old JT thinking that. Yeah, J- JT thought we. I took JT his first Tom Petty show, and uh, because he heard us play "Breakdown" so many times in House of Fools, Tom Petty went into you know one of his most famous songs, right. and uh, JT lit up like a Christmas tree. Man, he started jumping up and down. Dude, dude, the cover fools, man. The guy he was like almost about to start crying, and we had to be like, "Yo, calm down, you know, pull him, pull him in." Like, this is a Tom Petty song, dude. And he's like, "What? Nah." I think it took him about like ten minutes to actually believe us. Right. <laughs> we had to talk him out. Man. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, I hope that you know, looking back at all of your accomplishments, because we need you sometimes, man." you realize and are proud of what you've done and you've influenced a lot of people and you've always been one that's been super collaborative you've been one to help a lot of people out you've helped me out at times when you know i needed to to have great music and start something or try to have a venue that was a little bit you know valid in the community you would come man and bring your guitar and, and bring the fools and and you would come and, uh, and light it up and you've really you've really given a lot back and you've really given a lot to to where you are, you know, and you've always sort of worked with where you are. And I think that, uh, you know, you're just beyond a, a great musician. You're a beautiful person. You're a great husband. You're a good dad. And, uh, you know, you're a lot of things beyond your music. But uh, your music itself, I think, has really, really um, meant a lot to a lot of people and will continue to. And it's really great to see that you know, not only just released another album, but you're already working on another one. You're like a machine, man, and it's not going to quit. It kind of comes through you. Um, and when you get to that level and you start, you know, to have the ability to just play what you feel and it's always so good, um, that has to be something that I hope you look at it and, and, and say, man, damn, that's enough. You know, I mean, even if, if more is to come, which it very well may, um, with that you know whatever people think is the definition of success i think you've achieved it you know well thank you so much i you know i honestly i've had this conversation before and i and i do feel that way i I really honestly do i'm happy with what has happened and i look forward to what is to come you know um and i'm you know i think if anything if anything more if it's only up from here it can't you know right i'm I, i just it's music it's fun it's it's what i love to do and it's the it's the easiest thing for me to do and if people like it then i'll just keep doing it and actually if people don't like i'll probably just keep doing 
<laughs> and keep doing it. Well, you've dialed into something that sometimes musicians can get lost uh, uh, and, and lose awareness of, is that it really has to be about the love of it and the moment you're in, you know, and not what you can get out of it and not what, uh, what could come of it. You know, you talked about before, the only thing you wanted to do back when you were cutting your teeth and making great shit was sit in that Buick, man, and smoke cigarettes and smoke some weed and listen to what you had done, you know, yeah. you had done together. And I think that if we lose sight of that, then things can either be disappointing or we lose the soul of, of, of what it takes to write that great song because we're outside of that moment, you know, and, yeah. uh, and you've been able to stay in that continue to create in that moment i think that's really key i try to i mean i actually i don't try that hard because i don't really have any other option it's like <laughs> people are standing outside my door waiting on the next album i'm just doing it, I'm doing hey, it you never know man the phone can ring next week and that's the thing right <laughs> like hey come out to la like, i don't know man <laughs> you know? Which, in the case, I'll be like, yeah, sorry, I got to watch Lydia tomorrow. I can't. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, the next time, though. Um, <laughs> I'll stay here in the shed. I'm good. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you think is next for you? What do you, what do you um, hope to achieve next in music for you personally? I don't know. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm just going to keep recording. I'm going to keep putting out albums, um, talking to some of the guys in House of Fools, talking about doing some more songs with them. Um, I actually talked to my buddy, you know, Tommy about doing some music with him. Tommy's just yeah, just doing, just creating, man. I just want to keep creating stuff. Is, and, there, uh, say that, is there any chance that the House of Blues gets back together or does another album? I, you know, I, when we when we stopped playing shows, we the one thing I said it was like, look, we're not break. I don't want to break up. I, there's no need to play a last show so we can play a reunion show next year. You know, it's like <laughs> right. we just can't, we can't get together and rehearse like we we used to, and we um, but we still want to play every once in a while. That's fine. You know, there's no rules to it. We're right. allowed to just do that. So that's kind of what we're doing. Now we I wouldn't even consider House of Fools broken up. Like um because you're like all got together. you're all very much still friends and, and very much still family. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're all we're all very, very good friends. And it's just it's just tough to do it these days. And it's hard to be in a band and focus all your energy on it, which I think if you're gonna be in a band to try to be successful, that's what you have to do. If you want to be in a band just for fun and go play gigs, that's totally cool too. Yeah. But uh, as far as being an original band, I think it has to be, if not number one, definitely number two in, in your life, you know? Everything you've so, done. So, well, on that, yeah. what advice would you give to, you know, someone that's out there was inspired by your stuff or is inspired by a band they love and, you know, looking back was, uh, you know, maybe a young you, um, what advice would you give them as to what you know, what it takes, or, or, or what not to do, what to do? Um, Don't do any bar crawls. <laughs> I disagree, man. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, is, is there stay anything? away from the bar crawls. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of stories that we can't tell on here because. Um, just that we get uh, us into some trouble 
come, but right. uh, I, I know this, man. I'm so looking forward to the next time I can see you here uh, live and, and hear you play. Um, as far as the shed goes, let's talk about that. Where can we get it? Where can we get your music? Where can we get merch? How can people jump on and help support this time when, uh, you know, we're especially you guys, especially musicians can't play out. Um, and it's hard to even get anywhere to promote your own stuff. So how do we, how do we find you and, uh, and where do we go and how do we contribute? Uh, for this, for the shed it, right now, I just have, I have a band ca- band camp page up. It's Josh King NC. Um, and that's where, you know, I put, it's it's $5 for the download. I'm not, I didn't do any uh, hard press. I didn't do any hard copies. Um, so that's it. I mean, you can go there and you can download it for $5 or donate whatever you want to at Bandcamp. Or you can go to whatever Spotify or whatever you got and listen to it for free. Um, just go listen to it. I don't, I don't care about the money when it comes to that. I just want people to hear it. Well, you know, I've got a, I just bought, I have this, this pass down from my dad. I've got these Bose 900 series speakers and it's old receiver. And I just got this, uh, this killer old, uh, like a Panasonic record player that's all being hooked up. And it's, um, you know, so it's not set up yet, but as soon as it is, uh, it's got a new needle on it. And the first, the first, uh, vinyl I'm going to put on there is into the blue. And I can't wait to, uh, to sit back and listen to that man, uh, on that vinyl and hear the sweetness of it. Um, and I know that you've got a lot going on, man, with, you know, chasing around a little girl that, that, that loves, loves you to death. Uh, and making albums and everything else. And I'm really just thankful that you took the time to, to hang out with me, man, and talk a little bit. I sure as hell um, miss you. And I yeah, I'm having so much fun. It's just like the first, I feel like I haven't hung out with anybody in so long. This is, I feel this is great. So, <laughs> Next time I'll, uh, I'll bring a six back, dude. <laughs> I, I, was <laughs> you know, actually, I was actually thinking, man, we should do it. Let's do it again. And let's do, uh, we can play, have some kind of drinking game. Okay, we so can talk about it. It's called Shots for Thoughts. All right. And oh, uh, is this already an? It's already a thing. It's already a thing. It's already. Oh. A thing. It's called Shots for Thoughts, and um, basically he asks you ten questions, right? And uh, we can do this and incorporate this as like a B sides, but he does okay. like ten questions, and you get like three shot options. So one is like you know a Midori, something awful, and then like a shot of whiskey. And if you don't want to answer the question, you can pass. And take whatever shot he chooses. But if you do, you choose your, your shot. Either way, you're taking 10 shots. So by the end of the interview, it gets really interesting. <laughs> so yeah. uh, say we do shots with thoughts with you for sure uh, as a second segment because that would be fun. I would love to. I'm yeah. totally into that. Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, well, hey, man, I, I love you to death, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we'll try to pop it out pretty soon, man, maybe tomorrow. Um, and I'll let you know. But uh, I really, really, really am proud of you. Thank you for putting out music, man. Keep doing it for us. We really, really, really appreciate it. I miss the hell out of you. And uh, I can't wait to uh, to see your face in real life, man. You know, yeah. uh, so keep doing this for us, man. We had uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for Josh Kang, the Kang. And uh, look, anything else you want to lead us out of say? Anything you want to say to anyone to please have at it? Uh, everybody be nice to each other. See that he's also a guru. Guru <laughs> Josh King, right here. Hang, Check hang it out. There, hang in there. We'll, we'll have some fun again, you know. Yes, yes. Listen to the shed. It's out now. Uh, check it out, and uh, we'll see you next time on Common Ground with Dusty King. We're out. Thanks, Josh King. <laughs>